Welcome to the Resources for Integrated Care webinar series, Caring for Individuals with Alzheimer's Disease and Related Dementias. This podcast is excerpted from a webinar presented live in the fall of 2015. This webinar series is presented by the Lewin Group in collaboration with Community Catalyst and the American Geriatric Society and is supported through the Medicare-Medicaid Coordination Office and the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. MMCO is dedicated to ensuring beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid have access to seamless, high-quality health care that includes the full range of covered services in both programs. To support providers in their efforts to deliver more integrated, coordinated care to Medicare Medicaid enrollees, MMCO is developing technical assistance and actionable tools based on successful innovations and care models. To learn more about current efforts, please visit resourcesforintegratedcare.com. In this podcast, Beth Spencer, a research project manager at the University of Michigan School of Social Work, will explore the process of helping families with problem solving for behavioral changes. Good morning. It's a pleasure to be here, and thank you to the organizations that coordinated this program today. Uh, Next slide, please. I'm going to start by talking just for a minute about the language that we use. I think all of us know that the words we use have an impact on how we think about people and things, and they also have an impact on our colleagues and on the caregivers that we work with. So let me just give you a couple of examples. Over the years, I have talked to many, many people with early uh, memory loss, mild cognitive impairment, or early Alzheimer's, or or people with mid-stage who have talked about how much they hate being called demented. And I do still occasionally hear healthcare professionals use that term. It's uh, a label that immediately uh, demoralizes people, makes them feel like non-entities, and I challenge all of us to think carefully about the words we use uh, with, with, with patients, with clients, with our colleagues. Aggressive is a term that's used lots when we're talking about behaviors and behavioral issues. Again, I... Um, I think it's important for all of us to, as we discuss people and as we document behavioral things, rather than calling someone aggressive, describing the behavior. Mrs. Smith was shouting at Mr. Jones, um, and here's what was going on, is very different than saying Mrs. Smith was aggressive. Once we use that kind of a label, we start to see Mrs. Jones in a certain kind of way. Often other people become wary of her. And again, just thinking about not labeling people is important. Dr. Hall was one of the early people, uh, early researchers in the field of wandering and many, many years ago came up with the notion that there were many different causes of wandering. It's a term that many people are trying to stop using and talk instead about walking behavior. Walking is, uh, there are many reasons why people walk. It may be because they are used to exercising and are trying to return to old patterns of exercise. It may be because they're feeling anxious and they're trying to escape from a situation that's uncomfortable. It may be because they're trying to find the bathroom or, or some other place. 
Again, when we use the term wandering, we're labeling, and it's not helpful in understanding what is the underlying cause of the behavior that we're seeing. And I also included the term toileting here because I often hear people say things like, have you toileted, Mr. Jones? Well, from Mr. Jones' perspective, what that feels like is being turned into an object. None of us would like to be talked about in that way. I think this is an ongoing challenge for all of us to try and be mindful of the language we use um, in ourselves, with our colleagues, and in our documentation. Next slide, please. So behavior as is a form of communication for people who can't always express their needs and feelings and desires and words anymore. And uh, I think the previous speakers have both made it clear that sometimes there's an unmet need or an unmet desire or an environmental uh, trigger that is causing the behaviors that we see. And it's our job to try and understand those. Next slide, please. And teaching families about these underlying causes of behavior um, can be a very powerful intervention. Just want to point out a couple of studies that have been really helpful in thinking about so-called aggressive behaviors. One was an early study done by Dr. Cohen Mansfield and colleagues that uh, really made the link between cognitive impairment people having trouble doing their activities of daily living, and agitated behaviors. Um, and I'll talk more about that in a minute. But the other statistics here are, are pretty impressive, that 65% of community caregivers report aggressive behaviors during personal care, and 86% of staff in nursing homes report the same. Next slide, please. Well, those are big numbers, and uh, I think the implications are that we really need to look at personal care since there really are a high percentage of people who are upset during personal care. Understandable, if any of you have ever been in a hospital and you needed help using a bedpan or going to the bathroom, you know that it's humiliating. It does not feel good, and those... This is happening every day to people who need help going to the bathroom or with bathing or other dressing, other personal care. Uh, many feelings people have that lead to some of the behavioral reactions that we see. People also don't always recognize that they need the help. They may think of themselves still because of, they lack insight into the changes that have happened to them. They may... Uh, belief that they had a shower this morning when, in fact, it's been several days. And uh, as Dr. Hall said, arguing doesn't work at all. So thinking about other approaches, which I'll talk about in a minute, care partners or caregivers um, often become very frustrated, impatient, and upset themselves during personal care tasks when it's not going well. And that just really increases um, a negative tone to the whole encounter and may make the whole thing worse. Next slide, please. P 
people are starting, many um, professionals are starting to use the term care partners instead of caregivers or along with caregivers because, again, thinking about language, care partners implies that this is a partnership. It's something we're doing together. The person with dementia and me are working together to accomplish a task instead of me doing it to them. Another thing to think about. So helping caregivers or care partners understand the link between activities of daily living and increased agitation can be very helpful and teaching them ways to try and decrease agitation during ADL care. Next slide, please. I'm going to talk for a minute about bathing because uh, so often we see problems with bathing. There was an excellent study done by Philip Sloan and his colleagues in 2004 where they looked at 69 nursing home residents who had uh, demonstrated or exhibited agitated or aggressive behaviors during bathing. And they divided them into three groups, a control group where there was no change in the bathing procedures in the nursing home, a person-centered care bathing group where they saw a 53% decrease in the behaviors when they implemented the, that intervention, and a bed-bath group where they saw a 60% decrease. Next slide, please. So what did they do? Well, the bed-bath group actually got both interventions. The staff were trained in person-centered bathing techniques, which I'll describe in a minute, uh, but the people in this group were bathed in the bed using warm, no-rinse soap towels. They remained partially covered at all times and were essentially massaged with these warm towels. And there was a 60, whatever it was, 63% uh, decrease in the behaviors. My guess is that many of those people were very frightened or in pain during the traditional bathing and that this was a comforting um, way of receiving a bath. Next slide, please. And it can also be done at home, by the way. Next slide, please. Um, the next slide talks about person-centered bathing, what, what that group did and what the training looked like. First of all, caregivers were um, trained to focus on the person rather than the tasks. And this is about relationship building. All of us, when we are doing these kinds of tasks with a person with dementia, become task-focused very, very easily. And instead, really paying attention to the person, to their feelings, how they're doing, talking to them instead of just going right for the task is really important. Choices were provided. The person was kept partially covered as much as possible. They were really um, attentive to the temperature of the room and the shower. They used um, distractions for some people who needed it, whether it was food or music. Um, and they also used bathing products that were recommended by the families because they were familiar. Next slide, please. So translating these, helping care partners, caregivers, whether they're in a home setting or wherever the person is living, 
They can use these same kinds of approaches. When I am counseling caregivers, I start by helping them think through the entire bathing process. What are they doing? That, and I ask them to describe it to me step by step, and we analyze where some of the issues may be. But really, I first start by saying, what do you think your relative is feeling? And what do you think you're feeling during this process? I always start with feelings when I'm um, working with people to look at behaviors because feelings are underlying so many of the behaviors that we see. I try and help families or staff pinpoint the triggers that may be causing some of the agitated behaviors. We look at room adaptations. We discuss ways of making it more person-centered. And because even bringing up bathing or going to the toilet is often difficult for caregivers and right away gets a um, negative response, we talk about, we often role play the conversation and the approach and think about how else to do it. Next slide, please. Communication is a huge cause of behavior challenges. I like this cartoon, the officer is thinks he's giving clear directions, the person is hearing something very different. Next slide, please. I think that happens frequently in dementia care. Let's take um, a minute and just think about a late afternoon situation, something that might be called sundowning. Mrs. Smith is frantic because her husband's behavior becomes difficult in the late afternoon. Between three and five, his mood changes, he becomes increasingly upset. He paces, he wrings his hands, he shouts and curses and follows her around. And you'll notice the language here is very descriptive. It's not just saying Mr. Smith is agitated or aggressive. Next slide, please. So in working with Mrs. Smith, I certainly would start by empathizing her, thinking about what he's feeling, thinking about what she's feeling, uh, and then helping her identify possible triggers. Dr. Hall mentioned that fatigue is very often the um, most frequent cause of uh, sundowning behavior, and that's where I would start certainly is looking at possible fatigue levels. But there are a lot of other things that may be playing into this. Hunger, needing to go to the bathroom, the TV is on. Maybe she's busy and she's ignoring her husband. Whatever it is, we walk through as many possible triggers as we can think of together and identify some ways for her to um, approach this time in the day differently. Also, I really teach her how to de-escalate de behaviors, some of the things that Dr. Hall already mentioned. Next slide, please. These are examples of some strategies she might try. Uh, thinking about the environment, what's going on. I, I think I don't have a rest period in here, but that would be one. Another one would be for her to um, think about respite care, having someone else come in during that period if she's busy or herself tired, um, looking at hunger, looking at her own behaviors, and um, sometimes distraction is the best approach in this situation, going for a walk or a drive. Next slide, please. There are lots of other strategies. And when Mrs. Smith leaves, I give her, we have written out a list together, which she takes with her. 
So in summary, listening to families is very important. We don't always listen enough and listening to the person. Sometimes they can articulate what is behind a behavioral problem. Um, recognizing that the caregivers' priorities and ours may not be the same. Sometimes I have been working with people where I saw a clear safety issue, but they were focused on the fact that they couldn't get their um, relative to take a bath. Well, I will start with the bathing issue because I want to win their trust. I want them to know I'm listening to them, and then I will go to the safety issue, which may be my priority. Uh, educating them. Also, I want to make sure everyone knows that the Alzheimer's Association has a 24-7 helpline. Many caregivers I've worked with have found it incredibly helpful at 2.30 in the morning to be able to call and talk to a trained person about what's going on with them. Next slide, please. I want to just take one minute to tell you about our new Advanced Clinical Dementia Practice Certificate at the University of Michigan. It's quite in-depth, 34 hours, 12 hours of which are live webinars and uh, 22 hours of um, self-paced podcasts. It is taught by neurologists, psychiatrists, geriatricians, social workers, neuropsychologists, um, public health professionals, and is over a two-month period. So the next um, cycle begins in March, and uh, there is a website there if you are interested. We have people from all over the country. We've had some people from out of the country participating as well. Next slide, please. And uh, I do want to say that you can email me if you would like to know more, if you have questions about that. For more information about this webinar series and other resources, including videos and podcasts, please visit resourcesforintegratedcare.com and follow us on Twitter at integrate underscore care.